0: When I was six months old, my parents bought a house in Topeka, Kansas from a couple who owned an apple orchard out in the country. As a result, we had a Jonathan apple tree in the middle of our large backyard, which became my special hiding place when I got older. A low branch had been cut off with a stub just large enough for me to get one foot on and enabled me to reach up to a higher branch that I would eventually climb up to and sit on, hidden among the branches. It was my place to hide and to think and sometimes talk to God and pray, and it was the beginning of my love of trees. My name is Reverend Susie Knedlick and I am a retired clergywoman at Eastlake United Methodist Church in Birmingham. I grew up in Kansas, and out on the prairie you would often see a single tree standing alone, unshaped by anything around it, a piece of glory that I have loved discovering and always dreamed of learning to paint. Unfortunately, I'm still unable to do that, but it doesn't keep me from admiring that greenery wherever I find it. As I look out my back window as I'm working on this, I see parts of three or four trees in all their greenery reflecting the sun, and a slight breeze moves the branches like music. It's beautiful. Last weekend, I drove to Mississippi to visit my son and his wife, and as I turned on Highway 82 out of Tuscaloosa, I began admiring all the beautiful trees on either side of the road. Then it suddenly occurred to me the very road I was driving on that had been built as a convenience for me to get to Mississippi probably once looked just like the very trees I had just been admiring. And I was driving over that place without a care in my mind or a thought about the trees that were once under my wheels. There must be millions of places like this all around the world. But I noticed those trees on either side of this road were so healthy and beautiful. I'm sure nobody anywhere around them took any care of them. They thrived just with God's care without a single thought or prayer from me. I teach a Sunday school class, and our lesson last week was from the book of Joel, a minor prophet in the Old Testament. And it's a text that I had not studied much. But in chapter 2, God is telling Joel that he's no longer mad at the people and is going to stop giving them a hard time. He talks not only about the people, however, but also about the land, the animals, the produce in the gardens, grapes for the wine, and rainfall for the land. And he does this all before he ever talks about the blessings for the people. The student book editor comments on this by saying, Notice how closely the redemption of the land is tied with the salvation of the people. Say that again the redemption of the land is tied with the salvation of the people. We remember that, at least sort of, from Genesis when God sent Adam into the land to care for it and all it produced. Doing that was his salvation. And here we are now, climate change threatening us in so many ways. It's obvious that we're not following in Adam's footsteps. We drive down the roads made for our convenience and enjoy the greenery and the beautiful homes without giving a thought or a prayer for the creation that once came up out of the ground before our conveniences were built. We read in the paper about people who cleared high hills, even mountains, of trees and the creatures that inhabited them to build these gorgeous homes with magnificent views, partly because I guess they could afford to, only to have their homes destroyed in a storm or a hurricane because they were only built in a beautiful but not safe location for humans. Land that had been safe for birds and animals had now displaced those birds and animals to unsafe locations, and many couldn't survive there. Our self-centeredness places us well before the environment that God created us to protect. Eventually, it will destroy our ability to survive. A friend gave me a copy of Day Shilkrit's book, morning altars. In it, he goes for walks in the morning and collects pieces of God's creation off the ground. He brings them home and places them on a spot cleared on the ground or on a deck or a porch, forming them into a mandala-like altar, a place to pray for creation each morning. The book is filled with pictures of his wonderful work. I've only done one so far, using mostly leaves, and they blew away, but it calls me to do more. It gives me a place to pray for creation, for the environment. It takes my focus off my own issues and onto God's issues for our environment. I have already found myself not telling God what I think we need to do to make things better, but asking what his plan is for the environment and how I can help. When I was in seminary, I roomed one year with a German exchange student. In Germany, they are great at recycling things, which is a big help for our environment. But after I graduated, I served in small towns that didn't recycle. And so, until I retired 13 years ago, I didn't have or think I had an opportunity to recycle. Now what amazes me is how much stuff I must have been throwing away before I retired. I fill a large garbage bag with recycling at least every two weeks. I keep paper straws in my car and in the house and refuse the plastic ones that are offered me. I pick up trash when I walk my dog, which is often plastic bags caught in branches of these beautiful trees. It's not much, but it's a start for our environment. But I'm only one person, and God has a bigger plan. Caring for creation is not just something we do to make the place around us look good. Caring for creation, for all that God created, is God's plan. As followers of God through Jesus Christ, we are not called to think about things that just make things better for ourselves or those around us. We are not called to think of creation as just something we take for granted and don't have to do anything about. In the beginning, God created the earth and everything on it. Then he created humanity to care for it not the other way around. My husband Larry grew up on a farm outside a small town in north central Kansas. Larry's dad had served in World War II, and when Larry was about 10, his dad had to spend almost a year in the VA hospital up in Nebraska. When he did, Larry and his mom and his little sister, who was just six or seven at the time, had to care for the farm. Larry had to get up really early and do all the chores, including milking the cows, then get ready and go to school. When he got home from school each afternoon, there were more chores, including weeding all the plantings from wheat and corn to tomatoes and potatoes and cabbage. He or his little sister had to gather the eggs He often didn't get into the house till after six or seven, and after supper, he had to do all his schoolwork. He learned how to plant and rotate crops. He actually drove the truck. Yeah, he was just of 10, which was legal for farmers of his age in Kansas back then. And he learned to care for all of God's creation. One year, his steer was named Grand Champion at the county fair. Larry cared for God's creation in ways most of us have never had to and never will have to. Next time you hear about caring for creation on the news, don't think that's not anything that applies to you. Listen carefully. Pray about God's plan and see what God has in mind for your part in saving our environment for the next generation. It doesn't have to be big but it does have to be something. You may have seen a commercial on TV where a little girl and her dad are walking on a sidewalk in a, in a big city and the little girl sees a small flower growing through the cracks of the sidewalk. She carefully pulls it up and they go to a place nearby with a park bench where she plants it safely behind the bench. The next scene shows she and her dad, she's all grown up now, returning to that park bench, and it's surrounded by that one little flower that has now grown up and spread. That's caring for a piece of God's creation. After you listen to this, I want you to do something for me. I want you to go outside if you can and take a walk. Focus your attention on God's creation, on the ground around you, on the trees and bushes and flowers and even the rocks. No focusing on the cars going by or the houses or other people. Just focus on the earthly creation you see. If you can't do it right away, go out when you can and where. And while you are out, pick up one piece of God's creation. Don't pick it off something. Pick it up off the ground. When I went out, I found lots of leaves on the ground and plenty of interesting rocks. Brother Lawrence, in his little book, The Practice of the Presence of God, talked about how he discovered God in creation. In the beginning of his time at the monastery, one of his jobs was to go around to pick up all the blades of grass on the ground that the grass cutter had moved beyond. That was because there were many visitors to their monastery, and they wanted the grounds to look as beautiful as possible. When I first read that, I thought, wow, what a horrible job to have. But Brother Lawrence said that as he did this, he learned to see God in every single blade of grass that he picked up. God was in every single little blade of grass that he picked up off the ground at their monastery. And in seeing God there, he grew in his journey of faith. So now take the thing that you picked up and put it somewhere where you can see it and look for God in it. You might have to occasionally turn it around or over. Think about God creating it and maybe what God might have thought about that one thing when it was being created, and what plans God had for it. Let God speak to you through your piece of creation. I can't tell you where it will take you, except that I hope it will bring you closer to God and to God's creation. I think we are at the first time in all of creation that our environment has been so threatened the way it is. And the responsibility, from the words of Genesis, falls on us. We can't just do it ourselves however we want or however it is convenient to our own lifestyle. We are called to do it as God has called us to care for creation. The future of God's creation depends on us. Let us pray. God thank you for the creation you have given us in the earth, in the birds, in all the animals and insects and other creatures, through the rain, the sunshine and clouds, the snow and the breeze, in weeds and trees, in flowers and things growing that we can't even identify in rocks, in fish and other water creatures, and in the dirt that holds everything together. How amazing it must have been for you to create all this, one thing at a time, with the same kind of love that you created us. Help us to see that creation through your eyes and to find a way to care for the part of it that you continue to place before us. We know that for us to thrive, your creation must thrive. Open our eyes to see what is before us and to see you in it. Amen.